Hey everyone, I'm Andy Petronic, and this is the Whole Life Challenge Podcast. It's the place we talk to exceptional people about the things that make them tick, exploring their life successes, lessons learned, daily habits and secrets, what helped them to get where they are, and how they stay on top of their game. Welcome back everyone to another episode. Um, it's uh, very, it's with great anticipation that I introduce my guest today to you. He is a, uh, his name is Curtis Estes. Curtis Estes. It's hard to say actually. He is a, by trade, he's a financial planner. He works for Northwestern Mutual. He is a rock star in that world. Um, he's built a practice over the last 20 years or longer, um, that is, uh, known globally within that, within his company. And, but the interesting thing about the podcast today is we don't talk about that one iota because Curtis is a, he's also written a couple books. And Curtis is a hard to describe his level of willingness to put himself at risk, put himself, put his life in being transparent with his life, put his, put his life in the limelight and adapt to situations and be at cause for his life. It's, it's remarkable his willingness to be accountable in his life. You know, in the, in the whole life challenge, we have seven daily habits. Well, I don't know how many habits he's got. It's, it's, it's a, it's a countless number or, and there, that's really not just about habits. It's about, it's about being willing to be accountable for everything that he wants to create knowing his why and he's developed systems that work for him on his own um many of them are by hand he shares with us some of those actually all those things in fact um he's going to he's he's provided me with photographs of his actual the actual pieces of paper that he uses to keep track of what he does every day so that you can get some ideas of what those things are and he has his book, his most recent book is called Family First, which we talk quite a bit about in the podcast, is really about his exploration into a piece of his life that was unknown to him. His, his, he, had, he had fallen into the trap of routines that he had established since he was a child that were built on basically how he was raised by his father, by his mother, um, by his grandmother. And he was blindly practicing those things in his life without realizing or seeing the impact of what they were. And the moment he woke up to those things through his, through a, a conversation with a counselor, he recommitted himself or committed himself to making changes. And the book is all about that process. In fact, he he invited his, his ghostwriter in the book to come to counseling sessions with him. I mean, 
the level of transparency that 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 Curtis is exhibits and and then is willing to share about publicly is really just amazing. And his willingness to share kind of the things that his deep, dark, see, he doesn't really have deep, dark, dark secrets that I know about um, because he shares them all. And he, he actually uses those things and then uses basically telling on himself uh, the power of being accountable to other people to as leverage to make change. And he's, he's masterful at doing it. And yet he's incredibly humble and um, looks at himself and his life as he's a beginner. He's, he's always a, he's always learning, always growing, always trying new things. So uh, there is a ton of value in this podcast. I, I, this is one of those podcasts I probably need to go back and listen to multiple times. Um, partly for the inspiration and partly for the nuggets and, and pieces of, of advice that he, um, and, and it, it, it doesn't come out as advice. It just comes out as things he's doing. And, uh, I think there is so much value in what he's doing that we can all take, even if we take one thing that he's doing in his life, um, it will, it, it could transform something for you of importance. So check it out. Um, don't forget if you love the podcast and um, or you love this episode, please, please, please go to iTunes and give us a give us a five star rating. I know it it's a takes a little bit of effort to do that, but it's the only way that the rest of the world finds out that we exist and the information that we're passing, the conversations that we're having are just too valuable to to not share with the world so uh just do your part and um and do me a favor and give it a give it a five-star rating um leave a review it just it helps us out so much so um that's my plea to you and um you can always find the link to that in the show notes at wholelifechallenge.com forward slash podcast um, so please do that. And without further ado, my conversation with Curtis Estes. Curtis Estes, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Andy. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, it's always fun to start my day uh, officially with a guest in my house at seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> And it was wonderful to see Dashiell this morning. He's a sweetie pie. I, I must say that this is a first. I have my my wife. When I told my wife that I was having my first person over at the house today at seven o'clock in the morning, she's like, "Oh, that means I have to actually look presentable at seven o'clock in the morning." Like, and no, she no, did. You don't. And she did. <laughs> she looked presentable enough. You know. I mean, I loved it. I so, feel at uh, home. It's fun. You know, I I really like getting my day started early. Uh, as a lot of my podcast um, listeners know. About six months ago, I engaged in a experiment, 4.30, yeah, a 4.30 a.m. experiment, and uh, I didn't do a follow-up episode to how that went. I guess I could update people now. Um, it fell apart. <laughs> I understand. It fell apart partly because I got sick partway through, and then I decided, well, 
my commitment was to do it for 21 days. And I thought, well, if I got sick and I'm not going to make myself hold, I'm not going to hold myself to 4.30 a.m. when I'm sick, I got to start again. So I did. And I realized probably by day 15 or 16 that sleep was more crucial to me. It didn't matter the benefits. There were definitely benefits right. I saw from getting up early. Yes. But getting up at 4.30 for me to get enough sleep meant that I need to get in bed by really by nine o'clock yes. to get at least seven and a half hours of sleep yes. for me was critical. And that was not happening regularly enough to yes. make it worth worthwhile. So I relaxed my 4.30 a.m. And I, um, I allowed myself to wake naturally. And fortunately, that, that for the most part means I'm up at 5 or 5.30 every day. That's good. So, and that's, that's stuck. That has stuck. And I'm, and I'm still doing the things that I intended to do in the mornings, I'd say most of the time. I don't, I'm not, I don't, and this is definitely something I want to talk about with you because um, of your, the, before the podcast, the stuff you showed me of your, your morning routine. Um, I'm not satisfied with the root. I don't have a solid enough routine in the morning. Like I don't have a sequence. Yes. And so I don't, it's a little too random. Yes. And then I don't quite get what I remembered later that I should have done in the morning done. And I just haven't taken the time to actually, you know, like yes. sequentialize yes. and, and so that it's a just on automatic, you know, yes. like sometimes I'll go walk the dog. Sometimes I'll meditate first. Sometimes I'll journal first. Sometimes I'll, um, check my email first, you yes. know, like, so I, I, that, I, I, my intention is to up my morning routine game yep. um, and to fine tune that. So that this, look, the, this podcast is with you here is not supposed to be about me. It's supposed to be about you, <laughs> but, but it's an interesting segue into your morning routine. Cause it, man, it's fascinating. You're yes. what you've done and how you've the process. Can you tell me a little bit about how you like, what's the history of that? Cause that's a, that's quite a process you have. It's phenomenal. It's, yeah, so uh, 1,356 uh, mornings ago, thanks to our dear friend David Fenton, yep. uh, he had asked me the night before how I started my morning and if there was any intentionality about it. And I thought that uh, after having three kids with every moment of sleep becoming precious, there was no intentionality. I literally set the alarm for the last possible minutes so that I had just enough time to get where I needed to be, you know, with a moment to spare. And uh, he said, well, I just uh, read this book called Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And he suggested that everyone have a process to the start of their day. And he recommends ideally a 60 minute process where you practice the lifesavers and savers is an acronym for silence, affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. And I just thought that made all the sense in the world because I totally got how if you start your day proactively, that has benefits throughout the entire day. If you start your day reactively, right. that has consequences throughout the entire day. Which with kids, when you're getting up at the last minute and eking out every last minute of sleep, you are, you can't help but wake up reactively. Yes, right? for sure. For sure. Because generally they're the ones waking you up right. at 4.30. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we're, uh, we're coming through those days though. Yeah. Like your kids yes. are a little older. My kids yes. a little older. They sleep in. They sleep. My dash will sleeps now till yeah, six anyway. It's uh, progress. <laughs> it's progress. So, uh, so Dave asked me that question. I thought that's genius. So I'm going to start practicing the lifesavers every morning. Now, did you have any morning routine established at all before that? None. Okay. None. And did you just cold turkey start? Like, okay, I'm going to do all these and yeah. Yeah. And his point is that ideally you have six, at least 60 minutes to do it. I mean, you need 60 minutes if you're going to include exercise or whatever, but his point is you can do the six lifesavers in six minutes, even if it's just one minute of meditation, one minute of reading, one minute of, you know, push-ups. Right. That's better than nothing. Right. And so the point is be intentional in every start of the day. And if you've got six minutes, do that. If you've got 36 minutes, if you've got 60 minutes, Whatever. Have, I know that in theory that sounds like a good idea. Do you, have you ever tried it to do it in like, t- you have 10 minutes? Totally. And you, do, and you get all six things in? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And that's why I have the worksheet. Right. Because I track it. <clears throat> right. Because if I don't do it, I can't check it off. Right. <clears throat> so. Now, did you um, take the advice that he gave and and kind of tweak it to make it fit for you? Like how did, or were you just... I'm doing this exactly as prescribed. In the I book. started off just tracking <clears throat> my accomplishment of the six lifesavers, the silence, the affirmation, the visualization, the exercise, the reading, the scribing or the journaling. Um, but then as I've been doing it over several years now, it's evolved. And so now there's other things that I'm tracking as well that are important habits that I want to ingrain. And so I found that, um, you know, just by uh, tracking these things, it's much more easier to stay accountable to them. Yeah. And I'm a big believer in what you measure matters. Yeah. And so by measuring them, um, I'm much more focused on accomplishing them. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I found it interesting. You know, you pulled out your you have a you have a journal you keep with. Is that something you try you keep with you or you bring it spe- specifically because of the podcast? Like I brought it because I wanted to share it with you. Got it. But got yeah, it. I was giving a speech in Baltimore yesterday. So I brought it with me on the trip. Got it. So that in the morning I could track. So it just slips in your briefcase and yeah. you keep your it's a very it's a very, you know, like this is kind of old school, right? It's totally it's, it's literally by hand. It's yep. by pen, pen and ink. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, no digital, no iPhone, no, like, cause I've experimented with a lot of apps and a lot of writing and, um, your tracking piece is just a piece of paper. Yep. I print a new one every month. Right. And you've got on the, on one side is your affirmations. Correct. And on the other side is your tracking sheet. Yes. And the track, I mean, your track, the piece of paper looks like you're going to have to go to 11 by 17 soon because it's, it is <laughs> no, full. It, it is, is full. full. <laughs> but I, what are the kinds of things you track on that, on your tracking sheet? I, I just track the things that are important to me. And again, that evolves over time. So um, right now I'm, uh, in addition to the, the lifesavers, I'm tracking, you know, how early I wake up in the morning. What time do you get up? Um, well, um, my goal is to wake up uh, by 5.30. Okay. Um, so every Tuesday and Thursday, I'm actually at the beach at 5.30 working out. Wow. You you arrive. At the beach, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got a buddy I meet there. So that's another important form of accountability. Um, but then I'm tracking how much I weigh every morning. Now, hold on. Back up a second. So if you're exercising first, you're out of sequence in the process, right? Or oh, do you get oh. up earlier and... 
Yes, exactly. So you get up on those days. You got you're up at five or four thirty, forty, four forty, mm-hmm. and you're so you do the other things, the visualization, yep. the before prior to. Yeah. Yep, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm not like totally legalistic about it. It's just like, but but yeah, I mean the first part of every day is exactly the same. So right. <clears throat> the the literal process is I wake up, mm-hmm. get out of bed. I open up uh, the uh, <clears throat> Jesus Calling app on my phone. I read that, and then I read. Uh, you're still in bed at this point, or you're I'm like, out of bed. You've moved out of the bedroom. Yeah, yeah. You're one down, of the, one you of the, don't want to wake your wife up. Exactly. <clears throat> one of the things that uh, Dr. Robert Cooper taught me is that it's important to have bright light early in the morning to stimulate oh. the metabolism and everything. So that doesn't work in bed. Right. Right. And so I read my uh, Jesus Calling application. And then I read my uh, daily uh, part of my one-year Bible. And then I uh, read my affirmations. And then I spend my time in the silence. And then I do my journaling. And then I'll do the exercise. And so the goal is to do all of that every morning. And then if I got more time, I'll do the exercise at the beach. If not, I'll just put on my running shoes, run out of the house. Or I'll just do, you know, push-ups or sit-ups in my closet and you get you your goal is to get at least two minutes in six minutes in like do you have a do you have a how much of exercise like what is your normal yeah the goal is to get 60 minutes of exercise in oh 60 on top so that's the goal got it yeah okay got it yeah but again you know it doesn't happen every day yeah um so i'm just happy to get some amount of exercise in every single day so that's why we track it and so even if it's just you know 40 push-ups or 100 yep. sit-ups or whatever. And you put that in your, what you did in your list or you yes. just put that you did it? Nope, nope. I have actually what it is. So uh, yesterday was a 10K run. Uh, the morning before that, it was uh, uh, biking squats. Where, where, let me, I, where do you put? Where do you go? Right there. So I did my uh, first Friday of the month triathlon, oh, yeah. um, swimming, running. I did my uh, 25th uh, K run. Guys, I'm looking at I'm looking at a box. It's the size. It's about it's less than a centimeter by a centimeter. Uh, it's minuscule, and Curtis has these codes that that are very personal. It's great. It's awesome because you know exactly <laughs> right, what you did. Right. Yeah. Um. I. It looks like chicken scratch to me. I have no idea. I could it's not, not for you. It's I, for no, me. <laughs> exactly. Right. No. Exactly. It's great. It's great. I love that you have your own little system and code system, and it and it works obviously really well for you yeah yeah so what what else is on that thing because it's i mean it's it's crazy guys it's the sheet is full of stuff yeah so uh again i mean i'm a big believer in uh the great things that you teach and so i'm just trying to be intentional about my health and so you know i'm tracking um consumption of alcohol sweets portion control um i'm tracking you know am i driving uh with grace without texting um, I'm tracking, you know, with, so like if you, so it's a yes or no, basically that I, that I, that you, or is it alcohol? Do you track the number of drinks you had? Um, or? It's a yes or no. Yeah. Yeah. I get a star if I didn't drink any alcohol, had no sweets and ate, uh, normal portions as opposed to overeating. Ah, so all three of those lumped into one thing or is that Correct. The, got it? Got yep. it. So you have to do all three of those to get, to get the, the star. To get the star. <laughs> got it. Okay, cool. Mm hmm. 
Yeah. And then um, there's a lot of family stuff. You know, I track yep. if I uh, had intentional fun with my wife. I track if I shared the best thing that happened in the day with my wife. I share was a, if I was uh, proactive in helping my wife. Um, I have a bunch of stuff tracking for the kids. Um, I track um, at our dinner. Did we have dinner together as a family? Did we incorporate our family meeting? Um, was it a family fun night? Did I share the IMs mm -hmm. from the morning with my family over dinner? So yeah, there's a lot that we track. And you fill this in in the morning for the day before, is well, that right? Or do you um, fill it in as you go through the, the day? The first third I fill in um, in the morning and then the last two thirds I fill in at night. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the, the stuff that I do right before I go to bed is, you know, did I write down my three wins for today? Yep. You know, did I write down and then visualize the three wins that I want to have tomorrow? And then I track, you know, uh, did I journal my prayer request for the day? Did I identify tomorrow's 6 a.m. project and exercise? And then what time did I go to bed? So it's not only doing those things, it's tracking that you did them. Correct. Like exactly. This is, your, this is your tracking. It's separate yeah. from, it's separate and distinguishable from the actual act that you have yes. to do. Yes. Right. And if there's a way to um, share this with our listeners, I'm happy to put this on your website or something. Oh, that'd be someplace. great. Maybe I'll take a picture of it and yeah, just put it up totally. as a JPEG or something. Yeah, I'd love okay. that. Love okay. to share it. As long as, it as long as there's nothing too personal on there, I'd love to, you know, we, or we can white out anything that, uh, you know. I am ridiculously transparent. <laughs> <laughs> your wife knows that, right? <laughs> and it causes her cringe. Right. <laughs> My wife feels the same way. I, she's like, what are you talking about on your podcast? What are you... <laughs> What do people know about our life? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, well, that yeah, that's incredibly generous. Thank you. Of course. Um, and so you're now. Some people might listen to this and think, you know, this that 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 seems incredibly stressful to live that structured, to be that intentional, to be that you know, like. How, how, how can you be normal? Like, well, a thought goes through my head. How mm -hmm. could someone be normal and be that? I mean, you're very normal. And, <laughs> but how do you, how does that, does that occur to you? Or does that like, as you develop this, have you, has it caused more stress? Like, this is stressful. Like if you don't do it or, you know, before you go to bed or I don't know, is that making sense? Yeah, totally. Well, uh, our mutual dear friend, Phil Tyrone has been doing things like this for a long time. Yeah. And when I first saw the insane tracking that Phil does, I thought, oh my gosh, that's got to be stressful. I mean, right. how do you do that? Right. And um, and so literally I just started with the Miracle Morning 6 Lifesavers. So your just, sheet didn't look like that when you first started? No, no, no. It, it was the evolution of you know, 1,356 1, days. Right, right. Um, and every month I tweak it a little bit. But yeah, it started <laughs> out tracking six things. And then I thought, you know, what are the other things that I want to be intentional about in my life? So I just added, you know, a seventh thing. Yeah. And then I added an eighth thing. Right. And so this is uh, a level of personal accountability that I'm very comfortable with. I don't... Right want it to be an 11 by 17 page with right right 50 more things that i'm tracking but this works yep you know so i think it's whatever works for you and yeah. to start out small and manageable and then if you want to do more great i mean one of the things that um 
also has been very powerful is uh, thanks to Dr. Robert Cooper's uh, neuroscience research about the brain, the brain doesn't wake up until there's urgency around an emotionally compelling goal. And the brain defines urgency as a deadline within seven days. Mm. And so I thought, wow, that's interesting. You know, I've always heard that it's important to set goals at the beginning of the year, but a lot of people will set goals in January and not even look at them again until December. Right. And consequently, their brain isn't awake for 50, you know, one weeks of the year until that deadline comes up. It's like like it was when you had a term paper in school. You know, yeah, you didn't yeah. start it till the night before because yeah. there wasn't the urgency. <clears throat> and so I just thought, how can I incorporate that um, neuroscience research into my life? And so if I am tracking things, you know, more frequently than my brain, which can be a very powerful tool on our behalf, is fully engaged. And I just right. want to be very intentional about making progress toward my life by design and if which is the name of your book which is right and if not i'm living my life by default and i know there have been times in my life where i was living by default and that's much more stressful than having these tools for accountability in my life that keep me on track does it feel stressful when you're living that way when you're living by default does it does it do you do are you conscious that it's actually more stressful than living by design i think it uh, it hits you upside the head when, you know, <laughs> things just come crashing down around you. Right. Oh, crap. I've been living life by default. Right. I didn't realize it, but now I do. But like day sucks. by day, you might not, it might be yeah. kind of invisible to you. Right. It's the. Until you wake up like, holy, wow. Yeah. How'd right. I get here? Right. Huh. That's interesting. Because it's funny. I, I've been doing. um I went through a, a, a coaching program about a year ago at University of Santa Monica. And um, one of the distinctions <clears throat> that we talked about was the, the difference between the social self and the professional self. And the social self is the self that you've learned over your entire life, basically, from the time you were like, how, how do you get along in the world? How do you be a good person? How do you get along with other people? How do you be, you know, Joe fun guy, cool guy, um, friendly guy. And the professional self is the person that you get to create. Mm. That is your by design basically. Um, that is, um, the person you desire to, be in the world as a conscious adult human being and very often the the trap that we get sucked into melding the per- professional self i do i get sucked into melding the per- professional self into the social self and you know, the way that manifests for me is i start avoiding uncomfortable situations like we were talking before the podcast about uh, speaking and how i want to be out speaking more and i don't have I haven't, I don't have anything holding my feet to the fire. I don't have a speaking engagement booked. Um, I, I'm more comfortable in my office at home with my shoes off and talking on podcasts, very safe in a way, in a way it's, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and I see that as a slipping, it's not really about social, but I see that as slipping into this comfortable place rather than being outside that sphere of comfort and pushing the envelope in ways that actually 
help me allow me to lead in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that what has worked for me is at the beginning of every year getting clear on what I want to accomplish for the year. And that's in the context of what my ultimate life by design looks like. And then using uh, Dr. Cooper's you know, wake up your brain. Now, is uh, that is Doctor? You've mentioned him a few times. Is, does he have a book that he's written? Because I'm not familiar with his work. Yeah, yeah. He wrote the book uh, "Get Out of Your Own Way." It's okay. a New York Times bestseller. Phenomenal. He's got a lot more books coming out in the very near future. But um, but he talks about this concept of weekly breakthrough testing. So you look at your life by design that you want. You look at what your goals are for the year, and then every single week you identify baby steps in the direction of your life by design that you can test breakthroughs for. And so for 384 weeks, every week, I will email my uh, inner circle. These are the breakthroughs that I'm going to test this week in the direction of my life by design. Hmm. And then at the end of the week, I report back to them via email. Here's what I said I was going to test the breakthroughs for this week. Here's what worked. Here's what I learned. Hmm. And here's what's next. So that's the accountability mechanism that I've set up to make sure that every single week my brain is engaged and I'm moving in the direction of my life by design. Your inner circle is your closest, Your are they colleagues, are they friends, are they? It's all of those. It's the people that I coach. It's, it's all oh. the people who are folks that I really, really respect and I don't want to look like an idiot in front of. <laughs> So if I tell them I'm going to do this this week, if I don't reply at the end of the week, then I'm an idiot. So Mm. it's and do they all do the same? Are they all doing the same thing? No, just you. A couple of them do it, but I'm the primary. Now, the question that jumps into my mind is if you spend all your time doing all these tracking things and accountability things and. How do you find time to actually get anything done? Yeah, well, you may see all the things that I track, but it literally takes one minute, you know, to fill out the form in the morning. Right. One minute to fill out the form at night. Yeah. And the email that I send out to my board of advisors, I call them, um, literally takes 10 minutes. Right. So right. we're not talking about much time at all. Right. It just looks like a lot of work. And has that been a habit that you had to cultivate? Or is that something you've been doing for more longer than the than your daily tracking? The this board The this, weekly breakthrough testing yeah. has been three hundred and I think three hundred and eighty four weeks now. So that's uh I gotta do it is that. That's like six years. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Is that was that as a result of reading um, Dr. Dr. Cooper's, Cooper's book? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I did a program with him called Twelve Leaders, which was life-changing wow that sounds uh i mean it's very it's it sounds amazing like what you're do, what you're up to and how you're doing it and it also sounds very confronting because it's you know you're you're putting yourself on the hook and right. not everybody's willing to do that i mean i'd say you know you're in the point zero 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 one percent of the population willingness to do this do stuff like this you know i mean i know a lot of people that don't don't have this level of accountability in their life. Well, uh, that may be true. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing too. I don't know. E- I don't know either. Yeah. But. I mean, my my goal is, um, you know, we we have one life to live, right? And with uh, 
children, you recognize how precious every moment is. And so I would rather go through life giving it my best with the objective of becoming the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. And that's worth a little bit of accountability. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, I mean, my gosh, I agree. Um, now another thing, this is a, about your, the writing piece it's called scribing, right? In the yes, process, yes. you were showing me before your, um, the way you do it with the four colored pen. Can yes. you talk about that a little oh, bit? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I just, I, I love the old school uh, four color pen. Thank you, Ethan Fry. And, um, and it's I mean, a, that thing's been around for, I mean, yeah, since I was a kid. For sure. So maybe long, probably longer than that, yeah. 50 years. I'm, yeah, long you know, time. Dating myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I use it as a way of making my journaling, my scribing, very, very simple. So every morning as i read the bible i write down the verse of the bible that means the most to me from that day's passage and then that's in black and then i use the red ink to write down how i'm going to apply that in my life for the day and that's part of the morning uh, miracle morning process and then every night in blue i write down the three wins that i had for the day the three best things that happened for the day the three greatest memories um and then that's in um uh in blue and i track that we talked about how fun it is to track your gratitudes over the course of the year and thanks to uh mark batterson's book um he encouraged his readers to see if they could have a thousand gratitudes for the year which book what's the name um of actually it was one of his sermons it wasn't one of his books okay but um uh but in any case so that's a really fun thing uh -huh. and then the evolution of that was not only do i want to write down the three wins that i had today i found tremendous power in writing down and visualizing the three wins that i want to have tomorrow right and what happens so often is when i look back to the three wins that i wrote down today many times they were the they three were the wins ones. that i envisioned wanting to have the night before right so it's just super super cool I noticed when I looked at your your writing, your scribing, that the um, your your entries weren't that long. No, I I for a long long time have wanted to journal, but just the idea of it was too difficult to start, and so I literally got you know this random you know little notepad uh, notebook. And I just said, I'm only going to write one line. <laughs> I figured I could do one line. Okay. So I started off just doing one line. And then... Well, well, on what topic? Uh, on the the thing I was grateful for for the day. Okay. Yeah. And, and this is part of a bigger conversation that I really uh, am excited to share. Uh, the brain clutches negativity. You know, that's why right. the newspapers lead with, you know, the blood. If it bleeds, right. it leads. Right. And so since the brain clutches negativity, I wanted to stuff the positive in. Uh -huh. So I wanted to model that not only for myself, but for my family. Yeah. And so I wanted to start keeping this, you know, uh, gratitude journal, if you will. So I thought I could I could write down one thing I was grateful for for the day. Yeah. And that went to three. And then that's how it expanded to what it is today. But what's super cool about it is. I was working on this and again, it was several years ago when my kids were smaller 
And my daughter came up to me and said, Daddy, what are you doing? I said, I'm just writing down, you know, the great things that happened today. And she said, well, what did you write down? And it happened to be something we did as a family. And she said, well, that's fun. And then she said, well, what did you write down yesterday? And that happened to include some stuff for the family too. And and I thought, wow, this is a really breakthrough moment with my daughter. And she said, oh, okay, cool. And she just walked off. It was like, oh, well, I don't know if that goes anywhere. <laughs> Maybe that's not a breakthrough. Yeah, yeah. But then two weeks later, <clears throat> we're doing something fun together as a family. And she says, daddy, I bet you're going to write that in the journal tonight, aren't you? <laughs> And oh, then wow. another time, two weeks after that, she wow. said, hey, daddy, this is going to go in your journal, isn't it? <laughs> and so now it's literally become part of the family. You know, intentionally, I'm modeling stuffing the positive in for my right, kids. Right, right, and right. so there are times when my kids will come up to me and say, hey, daddy, can you read to me from your book? And they're not talking about the books that I've published. They're talking about my gratitude journal right. because that's all great memories of our family. And so it's so powerful to, to have you know, these thousands and thousands of memories that I'm grateful for to turn yeah, to, cool. especially when things aren't going the way you want and you're feeling like, you know, down in the dumps and life sucks and why why am I doing what I'm doing? Yeah. All I need to do is look back at all of my gratitudes from the past and a great exercise for anybody who's feeling that way right now is just take a blank sheet of paper, start writing down what you're grateful for. I mean, you can't write down, you know, more than seven to 10 things you're grateful for before your attitude starts turning around yeah. and you realize how much we have to be thankful for. Right, right. How, like, do you have some kind of shorthand you do? Like, you don't write out, like, let's say you went to Magic Mountain and you had a great day where you went to the park with your family. Like, do you just say, Went to Magic Mountain? No, it's the you... amazing Magic Mountain experience for the kids. Or So it's a short, yeah. just enough to yeah. jog your memory of yeah, what yeah. it was. Yeah, so like uh, over the weekend, I taught my seven-year-old how to play Risk. So oh, cool. uh, yeah, taught Christian to play Risk for the first time. Uh-huh. And that's it. Got but that's it. enough to pull up the memory yeah. when I'm looking back at it. Which which, which I think is nice because one of the things I get tripped up by when I think of journaling is I think it has to be long. Like I think it has to be... If I did that, let's say I taught my son how to play Risk. Um, you know, had a great time teaching Dashiell how to play Risk today. It was, you right, know, amazing blah, blah, blah. to see him, do, you know, his light turn on and he understood it and all these. And it doesn't have to be that. Yeah. Like it, it's just, it's, it's, um, it it's whatever some works of the, for you. Yeah. But it seems, it takes, I mean, and I, there's nothing wrong with writing longer. For sure. But for me, um, the habit of doing it is more important than the length I spend. Yes. And I'd rather not short circuit myself into not doing it by letting myself be short. Yes. Like that's, that's more Give valuable. yourself permission to do whatever works for you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now I wanted to ask you because you mentioned doing things at night. How, how does that look? You know, like you put your kids to bed. You, I'm sure you're intentional about when you get to bed by because you have a very intentional morning. How do you manage and negotiate your time at night? Um, it's it's literally just two minutes, you know, uh, before I get in bed. So I keep the journal right there in the bedroom. And I always like to read before I go to bed. So before I pick up my whatever book I'm reading at the time, I do my my the rest the rest of my journaling and uh check off the things in my tracking form and so it's very simple and but that tracking form then is then right there on your nightstand i guess yep for you know yep. for the next morning you yep. wake up you grab it yep. and you go and yep. do your stuff yep uh what time do you like to get to bed by my goal is to get to bed by 10 okay 
Um, doesn't always happen. Right. So I feel your pain. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but that's the goal. And if I can be in bed, at least reading by 10, then everything works great. Um, do you have, how often do you have social engagements and functions that are required, you know, not required, yeah. but by choice that you go to that, that interfere with that, with your nighttime and then in, in potentially interfere with your yes, next day? Yes. I try to limit that to one night a week. That's kind of my commitment to my wife is if I can, you know, have one night a week, make You're it as out. efficient as possible. Yep. The rest of the week I'm at home. And are you, do you limit that time that you like, you know, if you get, you get home at midnight, do you, and do you still maintain your wake up call the next morning when you have those nights? Um, for the Tuesday and Thursday, five thirty workouts. That's a or, set. Yeah. 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 Yep. But, um, but again, I, I just always want to make sure that I leave enough time in the morning to practice my lifesavers. Right. So again, if it's a crazy late night, you know, and I need to be, I otherwise would get up at 6 a.m. I'll get up, I'll set the alarm for 5.50. So I have my 10 minutes, you know, or six minutes to do the lifesavers. Right, right. Because getting in that that habit, that habitual practice mm-hmm. is so powerful. That day that, um, I mean, that's really what we encourage in the whole life challenge is, is the seven, is the habit, is the ha- it's the, it's the long-term effect yes. of the daily practice. Yes. Um, it's so powerful. You know, yes. it's not that any one thing is super powerful. It's that the combination done daily is incredibly powerful. Absolutely. I think we get wrapped up. I think people just generally kind of get wrapped up in these got to do it longer. I remember you, I used to have the attitude when I was uh, training that if I didn't have an hour to spend, it wasn't worth doing, you know, and, and until I started discovering these shorter workouts that were incredibly effective and fast, you know, yes. CrossFit comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like you said, you can, right. go your, you can go in your closet right. and do two minutes of push-ups, right? And you've actually broken a sweat, yes. And you might even feel something the next day. Like it's not right. easy to do two minutes of push-ups, yes. So, um, in fact, one of my one of the sorest I think I've ever been was when I did a max effort speed squat test for two minutes. Yes. I think I did somewhere in the vicinity of a hundred and I want to say 110. It was a lot of squats in yes. two minutes. And I, I, I remember having a hard time sitting down, going to the bathroom, yes. like lowering myself into a chair for days yes. after that, just yes. from two minutes. Exactly. So, uh, it's amazing what your brain will talk you out of that you can, <laughs> the, the, what you an accomplish yes. in very short amounts of time. Yes. Um, now your most recent book is life by design. No, uh, no, that's the first book. First book is life. Your life by design your life by step design. by step guide to creating a bigger future. Right. And the second book is yeah. called family first family first, how to be a hero at home. I want to ask you how, cause I think the story of how that book came to be is quite compelling. Um, can you talk about that? Oh, I'd be glad to. So I, uh, have always been a fan of self uh, discovery and reflection and so I've certainly gone to counseling and coaching in the past and several years ago our mutual friend Phil said hey Curtis when was the last time you were in counseling I said actually it hasn't been it's been quite a while so you know I probably should look into it and then a buddy had said he had a great experience with a counselor and so I thought oh I'll check it out and so I met with Parker Adams and uh, he just asked me, you know, what's important to me and 
what's going on in my life in our initial conversations. And I was talking about how important my family was, but I was telling him more about what was going on at work and all that stuff. And he just asked me, you know, why is family important? But you're all only talking about work. What's up with that? And it caused me to reflect on that. And it made me realize that um, while family was my first in terms of my intentions, it wasn't the first in terms of my actions and my focus. And I just thought, wow, that kind of sucks. And it made me realize, again, over the course of conversations with Parker, that I was repeating many of the habits of my dad. And uh, while I loved my dad, he was a pretty crappy father in many respects. And I thought, holy smokes, this is the last example that I want to be for my kids, because if anything, I wanted to break the cycle. And so the book Family First is uh, primarily a confession that, you know, I wasn't being the husband and father that I wanted to be. And it's literally been my efforts over the past two years of changing that to become a better husband and father. So the book just came out this summer. And uh, my hope is that it will encourage other uh, husbands and fathers to just take a look at where they are in their lives with their families. And uh, hopefully some of my experiences encourage them to be intentional about how they are with their family. And if family first is uh, their goal, what can they do to, to be more intentional about that? Right. Right. It's funny as you were speaking and talking about your dad, um, very similar experience my, with my father. And I don't know if it's a generation thing or, but, or it's just a human thing. Um, I, I got this strange experience of my dad, um, who was very committed to his work, very committed to his life, very passionate. He's a musician. He was a educator, um, did some amazing things in his life. And yet I hardly ever saw him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that desperateness for, um, att- for your father's love and attention. And, you know, I think a lot of my life has been set up to prove that I'm good enough and worthy for uh, worthy of his, love or you know whatever it is and um but i but i got this experience later as i went through the program at university of santa monica um you know of kind of shifting my concept of what love is because i mean i think you could you could say that love without action is i don't i don't know if it's not love but it's certainly a different right picture of what love is yeah because my dad would never there's no way in on earth at any point in his life would he have said i don't love you right like i like kind of like what you you were describing of you like yeah. you, your most important thing is your family yeah. the most important thing in your life is your kids and right you know and yet all you do is talk about work yeah and all you do is focus on work and yeah. I, god that is such a common thing. I mean, that's like epidemic in our world. I don't know if that's, uh, just in the United States. I I can't imagine that it is. I I would imagine it's probably like that uh, universal 
thing and, and waking up to that and, you know, love without action is hollow is very, is hollow. Yeah. Right. It, 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 uh, you know, there's what, it what is it and why it's, it, that's, that's a very confronting question. Yes. Um, and it's not just with our kids. It's also with our spouses. Right. You know, it's that whole idea of, gosh, do you want to wake up 20 years uh, uh, when you're supposed to be celebrating your marriage, your wedding anniversary, and you find out that you've got a great roommate, <laughs> but not a best friend. Right. And I don't right. want that. I want to be very intentional uh, about uh, making sure that in every way possible, Christy is my best friend. Right. So half the book is on your marriage with your spouse, your marriage, and the other half is on parenting. Right, right. How, when you woke up to that, it sounds like it could have been quite traumatic. Um, yeah. What was that like? What was, did you get, was it depressing? Was it? Um, it was, it was, I would say that there was certainly a, a shock to the system. And if anything, it just made me, uh, angry at myself and determined to do something about it, you know, uh, quickly. Right. And, and Parker said, you know, I see this in my counseling, uh, universally almost. And, uh, I think you should write a book about it because he knew about my first book and I thought, wow, that'd be a really cool experience. And so what's amazing about the process of writing the second book is, you know, our dear friend, Jocelyn, mm -hmm. um, uh, literally sat in the counseling sessions with us. Really? And so, so much of the book is just writing down what we're talking about wow. in the counseling sessions. Wow. I mean, you said you were transparent, but that's transparent. <laughs> <laughs> Who yes. invites their ghostwriter yes. into their co counseling yes. sessions? <laughs> yes. Yes. Jeez. It was awesome. We love was you, she, Jocelyn. Was she sitting behind a, like a no. screen no, so you weren't right distracted there. by her no. presence? No, she's right there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah, it was. It was. She's the fly on the wall. Yes. Um, did the concept of the book come about as a result of your clear intention to do something about it? Or did it come about just like, like how did that transpire like when did he suggest that and how did you decide that was a good idea um it was pretty early on and again i love the uh accountability tools that we can yeah. incorporate in our lives and i felt there was going to be little more accountable than writing a book and sharing my experiences about how you know fall how 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 much i fell short in being the husband and father that i wanted to be um and also my vision for being you know a better husband and father so it was like well this is the perfect thing to do because if i put it out there you know not only are my friends and family going to be able to say hey dude you're not doing page 37 you better get up to it right. but you know with christy right know, it's it's right. the ultimate form of uh, put I mean, it that, out there. That's risk. That's just taking it to the max. <laughs> yeah, it's in print. It's, it's in. in print. It's publicly. Have she? I'm sure she's read the book. Oh yeah, yeah. It was essential. Does she dog your pages and highlight things to make sure that you are living up to what you say? <laughs> she has extraordinary grace. She's very, very full of grace in our relationship. For our, for which I'm grateful. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that is. I'm starting to sweat thinking about that because uh, you know. I mean. 
I certainly like to think that I am up for telling on myself. Yes. But I've never taken it to that level. I mean, that's, um, that's incredible. Um, that level of transparency, that level of authenticity and transparency and willingness to put yourself at risk. Um, and the, the, the potential benefit that has to other people in hearing your story and relating to what you're saying, because it's very relatable. I mean, it's, um, yeah. like I said, it's that trap that we, we, we fall into of, you know, suddenly you wake up and you're not next to your best friend. You're next to a roommate. Mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. Well, and, and I would just um, welcome uh, input from you and all of the readers because I like the first book is now in its fourth edition. I want to do a second edition and a third edition of Family First. I want to incorporate as much as I can learning from those around me because I know I haven't figured it out. I know I'm a a lifelong work in progress and so if anybody hears this and has you know some great uh stories or examples or family traditions that they've used to uh stay closer as a family uh please share that because yeah, i really see this as a an ongoing uh, you know series of books where you know i'm learning the best from all of the other people who have so much to teach me well, that, that's one of the really cool things about you, Curtis, I, that I see is that your, your willingness to, though some might say masterful at track, at, at, at kind of keeping track of your life and, and what that brings to you, but also the willingness to, and humble, humbleness in saying, I, I, I don't have it figured out and I'm a lifelong learner and, you know, um, I'm still a, you know, beginner in many ways. And, and I think that's such a strength, you know, um, and, and also a rare quality. I mean, somebody that has done a practice like you have for 1,356, I'm not going to forget that number now. It's burned <laughs> into my memory, although it's going to change next month, right? It's going to change tomorrow. It changed tomorrow, <laughs> 1,357 tomorrow. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's enough for a lot of people to, you know, ego can jump in qu very quickly. I got this. I mean, uh, my ego likes to do that. <laughs> I don't know about yours. I got this. I, you know, I've been take the training wheels down, take the training wheels off. I, 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 you know, yeah. Um, it's very refreshing to hear your, um, the beginnerness of your, of your path. Thank you. Um, the what have you seen as a result of the book? Like in in personally in your yeah. life in your yeah. life what what changes have occurred? So I think the the, the biggest thing that uh, hit me that caused me to really be focused on the importance of the book is that. Uh, my relationship with my oldest son uh, wasn't what I wanted. He was um, demonstrating signs of defensive detachment, uh, mm -hmm. which is a psychological term, which just shows, you know, when your kids aren't getting the attention that they want, that instead of, 
you know, just ongoing being disappointed in the relationship, they're going to detach from the relationship and they're mm -hmm. going to distance themselves from the relationship. And I, I saw that happening, but I didn't think there was anything wrong with it because that's what had happened with my dad. You know, right, my right. dad, you know, didn't give me the attention that I craved. And so I just distanced myself from him. Yeah. And so I thought, well, gosh, you know, Jordan's doing the same thing I did and I turned out okay. And then in the context of the counseling, I realized, holy smokes, that's the last thing I want is to be distanced from my son, my children. I have to do something about this. And so um, the very first thing I worked on was connecting with Jordan. And I, um, you know, just was so uh, eager to fix this as quickly as I could. And so a lot of the book is about how to just be uh, much more present with your family. I mean, some of the bonehead things that I did as a dad is, you know, I, I am embarrassed to say this, but I mean, at times I would bring the newspaper to the dinner table, you know, mm -hmm. and while they're talking about their stuff, I'd be trying to catch up on the newspaper because I'd hate to miss out something that happened in the news today. Right. right. Um, and I, I cringe as I think about, you know, the fact that I did that and, you know, I, I would have my cell phone at the dinner table yeah. and, you know, I'd be checking my email when there was a lull in the conversation. It's like, you know, nothing speaks more loudly in terms of where your attention is than when you're bringing something else to distract you from family time. Right. right. And so I, just, I said, I got to stop that. And so the book is a lot of the examples of the, you know, poor decisions that I was making and what I'm doing differently now to re-engage with my son and my wife and, you know, my other two precious kids. And, um, and I'm, I'm just so happy now, two years later, looking back that, um, you know, I'm not in the place that I was. I still, you know, can be better and I want to be better every day, but it's, it's, it's visibly and measurably better than where it was and I'm committed to continuing on this journey of keeping family first. Now do you continue to see the counselor that yeah, you Yeah, I've got a session with him this afternoon every week. And is that part of this is that become part of the practice of of keeping yourself accountable and and staying on this journey? Is that a necessary part? I think it's, uh, it's, it's a valuable part. Um, you know, I have gone to counselors in the past for a couple years at a time. So I think there could be a season to this. It might not be something I do forever. Yeah. Maybe it is something I do forever. I, for now, um, I certainly plan on continuing. And I just know that um, left to my own devices, I'm going to screw up. And right. I would rather have guardrails in my life to keep me on track. Now, do you involve Christy in this process at all? Yeah, Christy's come with me before to the sessions with Parker, and that's been great. And, um, you know, thankfully, she's very open to, um, you know, the, the process of, of uh, becoming the best version of ourselves. She's a real example and model to me of, you know, constantly uh, growing in her life. Mm -hmm. So does she have a consistent practice around therapy or around co counseling or does she do it 
when you ask her to come uh, with you? Yeah, um, she certainly comes whenever I ask her. I mean, I think women in general are just so much more aware and in touch with what's going on around them. I feel yeah. like as a guy, more often than not, I'm oblivious <laughs> to what is, you know, so apparent and obvious to my wife. Right. So I think I just need it a lot more. Um, but she is uh, absolutely engaged in her own lifelong progress of uh, personal development and no one is more dedicated to, you know, a lot of the things that I'm talking about than she is. I mean, she, um, literally works out for an hour every single day. She may miss three days this entire year wow. of working out. And when she's working out, she has built an office around her elliptical machine. <laughs> she gets so much done wow. every day on the elliptical machine and you know she got up super early this morning because she knew it was going to be a busy day and when i got up to uh come here you know she was already well into her workout and she does a daily bible study and she is just she's a super mom so wow. i'm wow. lucky to have her that's that's amazing that's great it yes. sounds like a good team yes and she obviously was support how was it when you like back when you first discovered this hole yes uh, for lack of a better word um how how was it telling her like what was that like and, and were or did she already know had you been no it was new to you it was a, something you discovered so how how was that yeah it was actually fascinating because i would share with parker things that were happening at home and Again, I was just assuming that since I was following the path of my childhood that it was normal. Yeah. Um, and yet it was very clear as I stood back and looked inside, kind of as a third party observer, that Christy knew I was uh, screwing this thing up <laughs> and, and she was encouraging me. Um, but again, sometimes as a bonehead guy, you know, it takes the outsider to say, dude, you got to change things. And so Christy was absolutely encouraging me to make changes, but I was unwilling hmm. to, um, to do anything about it because, um, again, I just thought, this, I is, thought it, this is normal. Yeah, it was, it was, it was my normal. Right, right. Was that causing tension in the relationship? Totally. Yeah. I mean, especially it started around um, spanking the kids. You know, mm -hmm. she didn't want us to spank the kids at all. And for me, I got spanked plenty. And, you yeah. know, that was normal. Um, and in the course of uh, the counseling with Parker, I mean, he uh, talks a lot about how, um, you know, spanking a child doesn't draw them closer to you right it pushes them away from you <clears throat> and uh and so as i share in the book um it really became clear to me that i don't want to be the dad that spanks the kid mm -hmm. i want to be the dad that engages the kid and comes alongside my children and tries to figure out what's causing the behavior yeah. um as the uh the the underlying issue not yeah. just the 
the way that they're acting out in the moment. Yeah. How, how when you and Christy were not on the same page around issues, because this happens for me, because um, <clears throat> my wife and I are both very strong-minded, very strong-willed, and very opinionated, and very often not necessarily in alignment. How do you guys resolve? How did you resolve those things? Like you want to spank, she doesn't want to spank. Vavoom! Is that a big, <laughs> you know, explosion argument? Like, what? What happened? What? What? What gave? What? What worked? How yeah. did you make that work back when it was an issue? Yeah. Well, we didn't make it work. It was, you know, I had my way and she had her way. And I think the, a very telling example is I said, okay, I'm not going to spank, but if you know our youngest who's very strong-willed wouldn't listen to me i would grab his ear and my grandma grabbed my ear hmm. and it got my attention right um but it was driving a wedge between right. my relationship with my son and my relationship with my wife and parker because you figured out a way to do it that wasn't spanking exactly to honor your word yeah and yet it's still <laughs> it had the same effect yeah it was still you know destructive behavior yeah and so parker brought that to my attention i just said wow you know um i was so obstinate obstinate in my thinking um but it wasn't serving me well you know maybe there's another way and so yeah. that's what has unfolded in my uh you know practice that i share in the book yeah it's um i mean just you're just you're i'm just amazed at your willingness to to uh, see these things because there's such there's such ingrained habits. They're so normal for all of, for all of us because we, we all grew up. We all had parents or some version of a parent. And we have these invisible operating systems that we've developed, right, over decades that we don't even, it's like a fish swimming in the water that's never been outside the water. The, the water, what's that? You know? Right. And waking up to it is hard i mean talking about resistance yes um have you ever i'm sure you've read the art of war yes stephen pressfield the you know the, he talks about resistance in his book i mean the resistance that's one kind of resistance this is a whole nother level of resistance yes um you know it's it's like in direct counter phase to what feels right. Yes. It feels completely wrong, right? Yes. To not grab the ear, not spank or um have you trained yourself to be willing to go against what feels right? Like how did how did you get this yeah. way? How did you get this yeah. way, Curtis? Yes. Yeah. Good question. <laughs> because <laughs> it's not normal well yeah. I, mean, I should stop saying that right, it's as right. normal as it is you're you for are sure. you yeah um, so i think i think for me it all comes down to what's the bigger why at the end of the day what what is my why and for me you know the reason that i do everything i do is you know uh faith and family first and so if my why is to have an amazing family the family that i desperately wanted but didn't have as a kid then i'm going to do whatever it takes and so recognizing that it wasn't going the way that i wanted to i was open to okay what breakthrough do we need to test to get us back on the right track and so mm -hmm. a, a great uh, mentor of mine said with a big enough why how does it matter 
So I have a very clear why family is first. And so whatever it takes to, you know, change my habits, I'm willing to do it. Were there in, in the process of writing the book, were there experiments you ran? Sure. Mm -hmm. Like what kinds of experiments? Uh, the book is full of experiments. I think, you know, it's everything as simple as, um, not uh, bringing the cell phone to the dinner table so they had no temptation to pull uh -huh. it out yep. during dinner um, to... Uh, and, and when you ran the experiment, did you have a... Did you actually set it up like it's, okay, this is a 30-day experiment. I'm going to... This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to track. It was did you... part of my weekly breakthrough testing. Okay. So, you know, so I would think, okay, my goal is to, you know, practice all these lessons I'm learning from Parker what baby step breakthrough can I test this week? All right, I'm going to test leaving my cell phone in the office so that when I come to the dinner table, there's no temptation to pull it out mm -hmm. and look at it. Um, you know, the, uh, the other examples are um, with Jordan in an effort to overcome the defensive detachment. It was to engage him in whatever was most important to him. Because I, I would, uh, we have this great family tradition of every month uh, with three kids. And because my mom lives with us, we do date night. But every mm -hmm. adult takes a different kid every month so that every quarter we've done a one-on-one -on -one date Oh wow! with each of the kids. So oh, it's cool. awesome. Cool. But, you know, me. So date night's not with you and your wife. Date night, you're talking about a kid date yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, adult child. Yep. And um, so we do it every month. It's awesome. But I would on the dates with my kids, I would do what I wanted to do and bring them along, which is like, you know, <laughs> just say, embarrassing to say out loud. But, you know, I would say, like, right. like what, like what would you do? What's the example? Well, I'd say, you know, they should learn how to play golf one day. So I'll bring them to the golf course <laughs> and we'll have lunch and That's ice cream right, and, right, you know, right. feed the ducks and all that stuff. But, right. but it was me imposing what I wanted to do as right, opposed to the other right, way around. And right. so, uh, so now I literally say to each of the kids on our month, what do you want to do? And that's what we do. And, huh. and whatever it is, is, is fine with me. Um, what but, are some of the things you do now? Like that are, that are different. Uh, my, uh, little guy loves bowling. So uh -huh. we've gone bowling. Um, my daughter wanted to go to color me mine. So we've gone uh -huh. to color me mine. I mean, it's literally just whatever they want to do. Hmm. And do they ever repeat? Like I sure. just want to keep going bowling. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I was sharing my book with the guy who sat next to me on the plane uh, coming home last night. And, and he shared a very similar uh, practice that he said worked amazingly because he's uh, a partner at a you know, big international law firm. And he, he's, as of yesterday, traveled 140,000 miles wow. this year wow. on one airline. And, um, and so he said what he did was whenever it came to uh, something the kids wanted to do, uh, and it meant taking away his time, he would say yes whenever possible. So no matter what they want to do, if they said yes, he was just going to say, okay, let's do it. And so um, so that's what I try to do with my kids. So when Christian last weekend said, I want to learn to play Risk, I said, okay, let's right. do it. Right. And I didn't really want to because it's a little young for him. This yeah. is going to be... Yeah. You know, and risk is a long game. It's, yeah, it's like, yeah. 
Okay. And there's a lot of strategy and thinking and things he doesn't uh, conceptualize yet. But, but I just said, okay, I'm going to say yes. And, and I did, I did it and we had a lot of fun and he was actually pretty good. Hmm. So it was a great experience. So this, they're not asking for things like I want to fly to San Francisco no, for dinner. They just want time. They want time with they you. They want your time right. and attention. Right. And what what a what a uh, an inexpensive gift right. to give. Right. Right. That's a beautiful um I love that practice, that date night practice. You know, we only have one kid, so it would we could do it every month. Yeah. Um Dash will be up for it. Oh yeah, totally. Of course. Of course. He'd love that. <laughs> We have to get more date nights, just the two of us. That's that's a that's important too. Very important. Do you guys have a date night that's a regular pattern for you and your wife? Uh, we don't have a consistent one, but yes, we uh, we do more getaways. Like so, we'll do like a three day getaway. Oh, so, nice. um, and you have a built in babysitter, right, with your mom? That she, yes, she works full time, but she's definitely there to help us out. That's so nice. Which is really nice. Yeah, and she also lives with you, so that's. Maybe again, that's a another tribute to my wife, who's made it work wonderfully for all yeah, of us. That can be that can be a challenge for sure. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's that's amazing. Curtis, thank you um, for being with with us. I I'm, I uh, there's no way I'm not going to have you back for another podcast. We have a whole other book to talk about. Um, we could I could keep asking you questions for two more hours easily. Um, I really appreciate your time. I am honored that you would spend it with me and spend it with us, the the, the listeners. Um, I'm very excited to share this episode, and um, I want pictures. I got to put those on. That's they're just it's just fat. It's fascinating and it's so valuable. Um, uh, just your willingness to share your life with with other people. It's an honor. Thank you. So how um. Tell me where people should go to find your book. I'm sure they can go on Amazon.com. Yep. yep, Do you have a a website that's your? So the first book is available at yourlifebydesignbook.com. Okay. And uh, then there's also familyfirstbook.com. All with book at the end of the. Okay. All right. That makes it clear. And um, is that the best way to find you? Like if somebody wants to, if somebody has a thought they want to share with you is it do you have a contact info on those websites yes, absolutely like twitter or are you twitter or do you do any of that stuff yep at curtis estes at curtis estes okay on twitter yeah um is that the best way to yeah engage for sure that'd be okay. awesome i'd cool. love it i welcome all the feedback i can get cool awesome well it's obvious that you've set your, set your life up that way no you know like if you're willing to get all the feedback you have already and from your wife like What's a listening name? <laughs> Something dog awesome, pile. I'm sure. Dog pile on Curtis. <laughs> well, thanks again, and um, I look forward to having you back. Thank you. All right. yeah. The Whole Life Challenge podcast is produced by our podcast team, Ernie Hurtado, Becca Borowski, and Cameron Banfield. You can find all our episodes as well as the links to anything we talked about during the episode, plus complete show notes at wholelifechallenge.com forward slash blog. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. And if you like it, please remember to give us a favorable rating in iTunes and recommend it to your friends. I'm Andy Petronic. Thanks for listening.